ऑडियो हॉप पॉडकास्ट दिस इज द विस्की एडवाइजर शो ऑन दिस शो वी सैंपल सम फाइन विस्कीज शेयर इंटरेस्टिंग टेल्स एंड ट्रिविया एंड आंसर योर मोस्ट इंपॉर्टेंट क्वेश्चन अबाउट विस्की And now here's your host the whiskey advisor Uday Balaji Hello everyone welcome back to the whiskey advisor show I'm here with the whiskey rookie Piyush Piyush I want you to listen very carefully to this song All right uh, but what's it about All in good time just listen Okay So what we just heard is a violin piece by the Scottish violinist J Scott Skinner and is an ode to one of Speyside's finest whiskies Glen Grant. Ah Glen Grant the name does sound familiar honestly Uday. You know not too many in India are actually familiar with the name uh but you know not too many in India are actually familiar with the name at least not as familiar with the other Speysides we've seen on the show. Uh but we should be because it's one of the best selling single malts in the world okay let's go a little back in time yeah back to 1840 it was founded by a couple of gentlemen by the name of john and james grant so you'll see this name grant coming out quite a bit not all of them are related yeah so but this one is very strategically located with a port nearby the port of garmath mm-hmm. and the river spey so spey side whiskey and a lot of barley fields to supply their barley all around so there's a little bit of one notorious story about this john grant but you know i have to put in a disclaimer some of these stories might be quite embellished and some might just be completely untrue but why let the truth get in the way of a good story right especially when you have a glass of whiskey to go with it so apparently this john grant used to sell Glenlivet back in those illicit times. Ah, you okay. see I said Glenlivet I didn't say the yeah. Glenlivet so before it became legal. So when it actually became legal in 1823 he had a really tough time convincing customers to try the real the Glenlivet. So then what he had to do was he had to tell them you know this is actually that illicit stuff that I used to give you before and when they started to buy it consistently he slowly revealed that no no this is the new the glenlivet uh-huh. and uh, managed to convert them so eventually he was selling close to nearly 600 gallons a week as the story goes okay so then in 1840 on the advice of george smith from the glenlivet he decided to go legitimate and started glen grant distillery but eventually when both the brothers passed away the really famous glen grant personality came to the fore Mm-hmm. so he was a son of one of the brothers and he was known as the major james grant junior so under his watch was the time that the distillery really really took off okay so he was quite the personality i believe you know he was an innovator he was a traveler so he was one of those people who wanted to constantly learn know what is happening out there 
you know, you'd call them now as early adopters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was the first man in the Highlands to own a car, I believe. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, Glenn Grant was the first distillery to have electric light. Okay. You know how we talk about starting distilleries in the 1800s. We don't really talk about how the technology would have been different in the time, you know, using water wheels and carts and stuff that we wouldn't even think about these days. But another interesting uh, story about Glen Grant is they started a distillery that they called Glen Grant II because they were doing so well under Major Grant. This later went on to be called Capadonic. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, Capadonic was mothballed in 2002. But the reason why I'm talking about this is recently when I'd gone to uh, London for the London Whiskey Show, I was transiting through Gatwick Airport. And uh, so I'd gone to the duty free and this had recently been released. The Capadonic 18 mothball distillery releases are quite hard to come by at a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. So there was a Capadonic 18 and I'm like, wow, I've got to pick up this bottle. And it was about 150 pounds. But I was like, you know, I don't really have space in my luggage. I was going to Ireland from there. And there's so many bottles that I wanted to buy. So the salesman there could make out, okay, uh, this guy, you know, if I say something right, I could turn him right here. And it was probably also because I always wear my whiskey advisor shirt and, you know, it was probably a giveaway. So then he took me around the corner and he's like, you know, let me give you a taste of this uh, 18. It's a beautiful, lovely peated whiskey. If you get a chance to try it, definitely try it. Would love to. So then... There was another little surprise waiting because he opened one little shelf on the side and he pulled out the Capadonic 21. And this is like a 300 pound bottle or something, mm-hmm. you know. And he poured me a dram. Such beautiful whiskies. It's a real pity that some of these distilleries making such beautiful whiskies closed, you know. Uh, I really wish we could get more of these at these price levels because a lot of these other mothball distilleries, you need to pay hundreds of pounds just for a few drams, let alone a bottle. Yeah, but moving on now, uh, back to reality. Mm-hmm. So in 2006, uh, Campari acquired Glen Grant. So this is only whiskey in their portfolio and continues to be. Mm-hmm. How does their sales compare to, say, something like the Glen Levitt? So the Glen Levitt uh, in 2017 sold about a million cases. Mm-hmm. Um, Glen Grant was 10th in the same year. Selling about 300,000 cases. Okay. okay. And uh, maybe this is a Campari connection, but it's uh, the highest selling single malt whiskey in Italy. Okay. Moving on, Uday, I remember before we came to the studio, uh, you said you had attended an interesting tasting uh, in Mumbai a few months ago. Would you like to tell us, you know, because I see certainly there is the Glen Grant connection there. Absolutely. So, um, quite a few times on the show, We've either mentioned Jim Murray mm-hmm. or the Whiskey Bible yeah. or both. Uh, so he had come down to India a few months ago and I attended uh, a whiskey tasting that he'd put together. It's a blind whiskey tasting. For those of you who'd like to know a little more about Jim Murray, he's a journalist turned whiskey writer. He claims to be the first whiskey writer in the world. And he's quite the polarizing character. You know, some people really follow him. Some people, you know, this can't stand him. In fact, he is banned from quite a few distilleries. Um, 
but he is famous for the whiskey bible and he is tasted i don't know maybe now it's close to 5000 whiskies and he is rated them in this book so he gives a short description you know nose palate finish and uh, gives it a rating so the whiskey bible has been published every year since 2003 so why we talking about this tasting here is so jim murray is a huge glen grant fan and he is consistently rating it right at the top of his ratings so apart from all these tasting notes and ratings in the whiskey bible he puts together the top whiskies in the world on an annual basis so this is another reason why he can be a little unpopular is people end up disagreeing with whatever choices he makes i have to say i also disagree with quite a few but you know i guess somebody's got to do the job and he does this mm-hmm. uh but he loves glen grant and um, he named the glen grant 18 the best scotch of the year in 2019 and 2020 and he keeps talking about how high quality the bourbon casks are but you know for me talking about um jim murray whether you agree with him or not at the end of the day the whiskey bible is a fantastic reference book if you want to look up a tasting note or just want to know a little more about the profile of a whiskey it's a pretty good book to buy and it's constantly updated so that's another good thing so that you know after hearing all this i'm really excited to taste the glen grant okay then let's dive right in We hope you've enjoyed the episode so far. But before we go ahead, here's a word from our partner. Enjoying this podcast? You can also catch this and 200 plus such podcasts on Carva 2.0 with BBC India, Film Companion, Open Mic Poetry, Sadguru Isha Foundation, Indian classical renditions by the greatest maestros, stories, rhymes and GK for your kids. Oh, and did we mention the 5000 preloaded songs and 100 plus unique playlists every day? To know more, go to www.saregama.com now. And we're back. Let's continue. When to do the honors? Sure thing. as always slanja slanja all right um, what color would you say this is pish uh i feel this is a bit light so i am getting uh, somewhere between yellow gold and old gold yeah i get about old gold and amber myself yeah. yeah so i guess we'll just you know split it down the middle and say old gold yeah how about the texture so i feel it's a bit light because it's coming down uh, yeah. the legs are coming down pretty quick very light onto the nose mhm so i'm certainly getting some fruity notes mhm uh, a very prominent one is uh, you know again a citrus fruit mhm yeah i might say some orangish okay uh, notes i'm getting some orange notes So when you say uh, fruity, also, so we recently, what is the last one we tasted? The Dalmo. Dalmo. How would you compare this to the Dalmo? So obviously, Dalmo was pretty much sweeter. Mm-hmm. It was more uh, like I said. I remember saying plump, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. uh, that was the rich, rich. Yeah. It was rich. So why I'm doing that is again, folks, 
comparing whiskies is a great way to understand them uh, so the dalmo has that sherried character which is quite heavier and richer whereas the glengrant has that more it's bourbon cask matured entirely and has that light elegant character how about the palate pierce okay cinnamony spice you know okay. a bit of cinnamon and uh, i'm i'm getting very prominent orange gotcha yeah so that's about it how about the mouth feel oh it felt very light mm uh, it's it's a short mm uh with the aftertaste of spice okay all right just to summarize i'd say the nose quite light delicate i get this very juicy fruit fruit candy mm-hmm. uh light honey light syrup you know like light sugar syrup almost uh on the palate very honeyed sweetness green apples and also very ripe pears on um, both the nose and the palate ripe pears green apples vanilla so this is all those bourbon cask characteristics white chocolate mm-hmm. it's definitely a light mouth feel but it's just such a vibrant effervescent may nice whiskey on the palate and the finish also is a little bit of milk chocolate little bit of fruit candy quite dry it's a very nice pleasant whiskey another classic whiskey to get people into uh, appreciating whiskey mm-hmm. very easy kind of a gateway whiskey okay so this would definitely fall in the fragrant and floral flavor camp okay so let's get into the whiskey range uh so there's a couple of ranges that they have one is the standard and one is the special edition the standard range has uh, the majors reserve which is basically a non age statement uh, entry level whiskey named after the major who we spoke about and then they've got a 10 12 and 18 the 10 we tasted today they also have a non chill filtered 12 and the special editions they've got a distillery edition and a 25 year old So they have a really interesting bottling called Five Decades. So what they've done with this is they've selected some really good casks from five different decades of Glen Grant and put them together to come up with what they say is a fantastic bottling. I'm sure it is. I haven't tried it yet. Hope to soon. Uh they also have a 1992 Cellar Reserve. Not too much information about that one and the top of the line is the 50 year old. So which one would I recommend? I would have to go with the Glen Grant 18. Uh it really really is a beautiful whiskey. I'd say try the 10 if you're really getting into whiskey, but if you've been in whiskey for a little bit, I really suggest trying the 18 because it really sets a benchmark in terms of um, how good whiskies can be when matured for a long period in high quality ex bourbon casks. give it a shot if you get a chance and uh, let me know what you think so that that was an awesome tasting session uh you know what we are almost halfway through the scotch whiskies and uh, to be very honest our mailboxes have been blowing up with questions so shall we segue into the q and a section yeah let's do it uh the first question is from pacific 1402 or prashant srivastav on uh, instagram Are there any good, reasonable Japanese whiskies available in India? Well, Prashant, the short answer is no. Uh, 
there aren't any reasonable whiskies available in India. There are some in that kind of middle price range like Enso and Toguchi and things like that. Uh, but I would encourage you to do a little more research to find out whether the whiskey in that bottle is actually made in Japan or not. Yeah. On to the next one. This is from Ketan9279 again on Instagram. Where is Rampur whiskey available in each state? Uh, as far as I know, Ketan, it's only available in Delhi and also in select duty frees in India. What you can do is you can go to their website and uh, go to their contact page. They have the entire list of retailers who uh, sell it in Delhi. And the next question is from uh, Akshay Chauhan, aka Screw.Soul. Uh, his question is how to select good whiskey without judging by the brand name. Akshay, that's a fantastic question. Uh, a lot of the time we buy brands rather than buying what's in the bottle. Uh, but that's partly what we're trying to do on the show. You know, we're trying to guide you to understand the various flavor profiles out there and help you buy better. Uh, so just keep following our show. Um, at least the whiskeys that we have uh, this season will give you an idea of, you know, what's out there, what uh, you might want to buy. Apart from that, I would say that research is the only way. Uh, get online, look for online independent reviews uh, to see what uh, might or might not work for you. And the next question is from Paresh Makadia, 1995. And uh, his question is, which is best, monkey shoulder or double black? You know, I get a lot of questions like these, uh, Paresh, and I always have the same answer. This is really, really up to your palate. Because the monkey shoulder has, a, you know, kind of a sweet, honeyed, very space-side whiskey kind of profile. Whereas the double black has more of a peaty, uh, you know, Isla, more aggressive kind of profile. Personally, for me, you know, there would be sometimes that I would prefer the taste profile of monkey shoulder and sometimes a double black. So one, it depends on what you prefer. And it also depends on uh, the occasion, what you might prefer at a given point in time. And the last question is from uh, Pranit, aka K Prana 10. What's the specialty of Springbank 10-year-old from Campbellton? That's a great question, uh, Pranit. I'm glad you asked that. What you'll have to do is just wait for next week and we'll be doing Springbank uh, in the coming week. And I'll talk a lot about uh, one of my favorite Scotch distilleries and I hope you enjoy it. So watch out for that one. Cheers. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. In next week's episode, we'll be traveling to a part of Scotland that we haven't been to before. You don't want to miss that one. In the meantime, please send in your questions and comments via email, Instagram or Facebook and we'll answer as many as we can. All our handles are at the end of the show. Till then, drink well and drink responsibly. Cheers. Cheers. If you want to learn more about whiskey and Uday's work, visit thewhiskeyadvisor.com. You can send in your questions to us on uday at thewhiskeyadvisor.com or Instagram or Facebook at thewhiskeyadvisor. That's whiskey without the E. The show was brought to you by Audio Hop Podcasts. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter at Audio Hop Podcasts. We'll be back next week. Until then, keep your spirits up and drink responsibly.